This is Tack Box Talk, and this is Horse Stories with a Purpose. Who are we? We are equine educators, but we are owners. We are judges. We are competitors. We are coaches. We are volunteers. We are moms. We are horse owners just like you, and we want to share our horse stories with a purpose. Welcome to Extension Horses Tech Box Talk Series, Horse Stories with a Purpose. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Heine with Oklahoma State University, and today I have with me Wendy Heine, not Heine, right? That's right. I don't think we're related. Oh, so close, <laughs> off by a letter, but you're from Oregon State University? That's right. Um, I'm an associate professor of practice with Oregon State University, and uh, I oversee 4-H development programs in Clackamas County. All right. Fantastic. We're going to get a little 4-H perspective and then we get going. So joining us uh, also today is Dr. Betsy Green from the University of Arizona. Yes, I'm down in Tucson, but I cover the whole state and I do extension and teaching there. So what we're going to be talking about today, we're going to learn a little bit about Foxy and Lady and the stories about leasing horses. Um, We're going to hear some happy stories and maybe some uh, beware, don't do this version. So when are we going to start with you? And Foxy was your horse that you chose to lease. So why did you choose that route? What what, rather than selling her, what what happened there with that decision? Yeah, so... uh, Foxy was the horse I used for my last two years in 4-H. He was just the cutest Morgan gelding you can ever picture. Um, Adored him. He was kind of my dream horse. Then I went away to college, um, you know, about 2,000 miles away. And so there was no one to take care of Fox. So at that point, I was either going to have to sell him or lease him. Um, And I'd say that that's a really common reason people lease horses is they have some sort of horse that needs a job and they can't provide that job. So in my case, there was another 4-H'er in my club uh, who had uh, uh, leased another horse off and on, was ready to move up to a bigger challenge, and Fox was the perfect fit. She adored him, um, leased him for a couple years until she bought uh, her own Morgan mare a few years later. And at that time, I realized it really was time to, to go ahead and sell Fox and let him go to another home. But it was just wonderful to know that someone was taking care of him while I was away in college. You know, I didn't have to try and sell my horse right as I was moving and dealing with all that emotion too. Um, And then again, it helped it was someone we already knew. So no guesswork. I knew they were gonna take care of him. They were in my 4-H club, so I knew there'd be other people I know also watching out for him and making sure that he was okay. So in this case, it was a great plan and it was good for me and my friend. So Foxy then never never returned to you after that lease was over. You did choose to sell him, or did he come back home for a while? You know, he stayed in the same barn where I'd been boarding him, so he never really went anywhere. And, uh, and so then, Foxy didn't know he was leased. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> he, he might have wondered why, why he was getting new riders and stuff. But uh, uh, And then, of course, when I was home for like a holiday break or maybe for a month during the summer, um, as long as it wasn't, while my friend needed exclusive use of him for 4-H, I could get in a few rides, and it was wonderful. So that's probably really common when we, and I honestly, I did the same thing with my show horse when I graduated uh, from high school and I went away from college, to college. I couldn't bring the horse with me, and so we ended up leasing him. So it's probably a pretty common experience for that transition from high school 
to college where the kid that was so involved with the horse is gone and now the parents are like, what the heck? So, so this might be an option then for folks to look at. I think it can be a good one. And you know, in, in this case, my friend knew she was getting a horse with 4-H experience. Um, and uh, you, can, you can find some good horses off some graduating seniors. Oh, and, and in that case, I know several people that have been able to lease a horse that was, had higher training and skills than what they could afford. And so same type of thing. It really worked out well because they wouldn't be able to afford that horse. But in a situation like Foxy, they could use your, that horse, lease it, and really go on further their riding and their career. So now, now Betsy, you're going to talk about the story with Lady, and it, I gather maybe it was not quite the same rosy, happy. Yeah, it was, <laughs> you know, not quite so nice because I have a very good friend that had a nice horse, just, you know, a 4-H level type show horse or county level, and he had a big heart, and he had this young lady that that he heard about that needed a horse, couldn't afford a horse. So he said, I'll lease this horse that's sitting in my pasture to this young, this younger child and parents involved and everything. Problem was about three months later, he didn't know they had changed barns without telling him. They were not feeding the horse. The horse had lost, I think by the time he got the horse back, lost almost 200 pounds. And it was just a small Arab horse, so that was a lot of weight. And it, I don't think it was ill-intended, but it sure was not a good situation. So for somebody that's gonna, uh, that owns a horse that's going to, to lease them, how do they make sure that their horse is gonna be taken care of if they're not seeing them every day? Well, for one thing, contracts, because it was just an agreement, you know, word of mouth type of thing. And there was nothing to say where the horse would be kept, what it would be fed, how it would be handled. Oh yeah, there were some hoof issues because it had not been regularly visited by a farrier. So all of these things could be put into a contract and that at least makes sure that everybody understands, not to say people always follow contracts, but if you don't have one, then you have nothing to stand on. Now when you say contracts, I immediately think, oh, I need a lawyer. So, I mean, do you really need legal counsel? Or if you want to this? be sure that your contract will hold up, then yes, you should get legal advice. Um, there are some lawyers who will offer contracts for sale online, um, or you can find a local person who specializes in, um, there's usually someone in your area who will do some animal law. Uh, but even if you decide you really can't find a lawyer even if you write it down, it still is a contract. It is still a legal document. It's just that it may have loopholes you didn't realize. So what does that contract say? Hey, I want you to feed my horse? Or like, I mean, how do they... <laughs> hopefully, it's, hopefully even more than that. <laughs> yeah, it, in some cases, it'll be how, what type of feed is provided if that horse, you know, does better on grass hay as opposed to alfalfa or a feed or an amount of feed or a certain body condition score, or how often the farrier is going to be used, who the farrier could be. If you have a regular farrier, you certainly don't want them to start going off some other direction and go from solid four shoes all the way around to some natural 
barefoot something when the horse is not yeah. used to that. Or practicing to become their own farrier on your oh horse. Oh my, yes, yeah. not good. <laughs> um, but where the barn is, or the, where the horse is going to be kept is actually what, sometimes one of the bigger issues. Yeah, and um, can it be taken off the property? Yeah, can sometimes, it even be shown? Yeah, sometimes people might want to show a horse, they might want to breed a horse while they're leasing it, take it on trail rides, and that's should all be covered in that lease contract. Well, so spelling out everything that you think that horse should be If the horse to. gets hurt, who's responsible for the costs for the vet bill? Or making sure you call the vet. So what's, what's normal? Does the leasee normally cover the vet costs or is it the owner's responsibility? I'm, you know, there's not really a single normal for horse leases. Uh, in, in many cases, a lease, uh, in some way encompasses basic care of the horse, but I've seen it done different ways. So sometimes the lease might specify things like Betsy was saying, the horse should be fed this, kept here, etc. And then the person um, leasing makes their own financial arrangements. Other times I've seen owners who maybe wanted a little more control, who um, actually kept uh, the owner kept the rights to, they, they paid the board, they paid the vet and all those normal things. And then were, um, the horse was leased for a flat fee a month. Okay. Yeah, and, and another situation, if you're talking about leasing up, so a, a show horse that you, the person's leasing so they can go higher and further and faster, whatever. A lot of times there's a insurance, they, the, the person leasing needs to take out an insurance policy or pay for an insurance policy on that horse, whether it's major mortality. So if the horse dies, the value of the horse goes back to the original owner or surgical, major medical, loss of use. So there's all kinds of options depending on each given situation. If you're talking about a friendly ride around, spend some time, get the horse exercised, there's probably not gonna be insurance but you definitely need to agree, agree ahead of time who's paying the vet bills and to what extent. If the horse colics, is it eligible for surgery, whether it's value or emotion or whatever? Now, when you kind of talked about show horses, so that kind of depends, right? The association, because every association has some different rules, whether whether you have to own it or official leases, et cetera. So you should always uh, check thoroughly with whatever associations you're working with uh, some some of the breed associations. You might have to register your lease with them. Um, there might be restrictions on how many people are allowed to show a horse. Even in my County 4-H program, we have some some strict rules about how long the term of the lease has to be, um, and who's allowed to ride a horse. We have no professional trainers are allowed on horses within 90 days of our fair, for example. And we've had kids, especially kids who have a partial lease so they're sharing this horse somehow with someone <laughs> they've had people screw it up for them someone else um, gets on the horse someone else shows the horse they end up disqualified because they did not clarify these things in their so, lease contract. So it's like a partial lease, like I have it from Tuesday through Thursday and then <laughs> <laughs> I mean it could be actually I've seen things like that um, so you know the reason most people choose to lease a horse is because they don't feel like they financially could afford to buy it. In most cases, that's why they're leasing. And so it's, uh, you can definitely find these partial leases where 
two or even more people might somehow be sharing a lease on a horse. Um, I see a lot where they they sort of do a, you know this partial lease to maybe a 4-H'er, but then the owner says that they get to use the horse in riding lessons all week. Well, well for me, I kind of question them by county fair, like whose work am I seeing on this horse if it's being used by all these people? But I am sympathetic to the fact that horse ownership is expensive and the benefits for kids are huge. I know that a lot of boarding facilities with lesson programs, there, I know a lot of those instructors that knew that the youth riding the horses couldn't afford a horse. So they would do a quarter or a half lease. And so that youth could ride on say Monday, Wednesday, Sunday, and then the other days it would be used in lessons. And so it was an opportunity to give them a little bit more time to practice and ride without the full investment because they couldn't afford it. So it's like a horse B&B then. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and they, they vary. Sometimes you have to do some um, stall cleaning in exchange for your <laughs> ride time. Or, um, but but uh, I mean, I, I admit I've even looked at some of those. I'm like, you know, I don't have a horse right now. And wow, I don't have the time. But like every other Saturday, I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if someone wants to partial lease me a horse for like 50 bucks to come out every other Saturday. Like th there really is a place for these. But as you were mentioning about showing, showing might not be the best place. Okay, yeah. so there's more rules. Now I want to come at, so with ladies, so you said that, that she lost weight really quick. So what happened then? Did they just terminate the lease? Does, does the owner have the right to like come grab the horse or how does that work? Well, so a lot of times in the lease agreements, you would have 30 days by either party to negate or, or stop that lease so that there has to be notice so that the horse doesn't get yanked out from under the person and or dumped back on but in this case it was just word of mouth and he had to go find the horse first and when he found lady because he went to that barn where she was supposed to be it's like well no she's been gone a couple of months and it's like what and he found the horse and then it was just not in good shape and so he made arrangements to pick it up. And since there was no contract and he owned the horse, he could do that, which was the best thing for the horse. So it wasn't like we needed to have the sheriff come with or anything. He did not, fortunately, but there are cases where that type of thing has happened, where sometimes the leasee suddenly gets this um, <laughs> full imagination of thinking that they now own the horse mm -hmm. because they've been taking care of it. So another, of course, important thing is if you own a horse, you should have documentation you own it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> definitely, sometimes horses get passed around from owner to owner without any kind of bill of sale. Uh, if you choose not to transfer registration papers, you still need that bill of sale. So um, always as the owner, you should make sure you've got that documentation in case well, you do have to seize a horse back. And there's, there's been lawsuits involving families where grandpa thought that he was letting his grandchild ride the horse and the parents said he gave it to him. And so there was actually a lawsuit and grandpa got the horse back, but it probably wasn't really good for Thanksgiving holiday time. <laughs> so if I'm a, let's say I am an owner and I own my horse and you know, I don't have the same time for it that I used to, but, but we all know that once we sell them, we don't have control over them anymore. They're gone. That's a big decision that you've let that horse go out into the world. 
So if, if I'm an owner, how do I go about or, or what might be the steps I take? Do I find a person first or do I start looking for lawyers first? What, what do I do if I'm going to take that big step? I guess I'd start a little bit with thinking of what kind of lease situation um, you'd, you'd hope to enter into. So are you looking to uh, share the horse with another person? Um, do you really just need it completely out of your hair for a year or more? Um, what is your horse good at? You should always be upfront and honest with someone leasing a horse about your horse's talents and its challenges. So what happens if like you lease a horse to somebody for a show horse and they don't do that well? Or I'm just thinking, what if my horse I lease hurts them? Is am I on the hook for that? That's another that would be yeah. a contract that you should be responsible. You should put something in the contract. Now, I mean most likely if you lease to them knowing there was something dangerous about your horse, like um uh, like, uh, well, we'll say, take Foxy as an example. Um, I, uh, I knew when I got Fox that he had driven in the past and I uh, was working with him, ground driving, we're getting ready to hitch. Well, hitched him and he completely wrecked just that first time. Clearly he had had some sort of accident in the past I didn't know about. Now, if I had leased him to someone saying, oh yeah, he's driven without telling them that, then I'm, I'm, pretty sure that they could come after me legally um, if he hurt them in an accident because I didn't disclose something. Yeah, dangerous propensity, mm -hmm. failure to mm -hmm. warn, all but, those wonderful but things. But we all know horses have a propensity to do all kinds of things randomly. So. Well, but see, we do, and most people who've owned a horse for a period of time do. But you know, a lot of people who lease horses, they're kind of new to this. This is their test run. <laughs> um, so uh, never assume the person you're leasing to knows those things. When in doubt, put in a big old list of everything that horses um, might might normally do, or again, yeah, the exclusion, equine, the equine um, activity statute that says, um, yeah, you could draw language from, from sure. that as an example. But there's another thing that if you're leasing the horse, so say you're leasing Foxy, and you do a great job, you start showing Foxy, and you start winning everything, there you potentially might even want to buy the horse but you've actually increased the quality of Foxy because maybe you were getting training. I'm good. You're good, but of course. <laughs> what if I want to raise the price now? Well, you're a even, jerk. <laughs> maybe, but, even, but I could. So, so sometimes sometimes people want this option of lease to buy. Yeah, that's, that's, what I, that's where I was going. Yeah. If you have a lease to buy kind of thing, you need to have that price set ahead of time. So if you lose, if you, increase the value she can't increase the gotcha. price or take it back out you also can have an ending date too you know with a potential to renew a lot of times the leases are a year in contract time so can i like google horse contract would i find anything you or? will yeah yes you will you will find some um some documents on there some that either people have basically stolen and posted uh or you'll find a few actual references to lawyers who have some of these contracts it, for it, sale. It can be a good place to start at least. And then you have an idea of the information because there's a variety of mediocre to downright bad, but there's some really nice contracts there right. as well. And, and so a place to start. 
For sure. And again, um, this isn't our legal advice, but in general, I mean, if you're leasing the kind of horse who's worth maybe a few thousand dollars and this is just your one horse and you're doing this one time, just finding a template lease, um, you may feel comfortable enough with that. But if there's high dollars involved for either gaining or losing on either yep, end, or breeding or breeding, who owns the foal? Who could the there? You know, who can you breed the mare to if you're leasing a mare? You know, if you have this brilliant, brilliant thoroughbred mare and gets bred to a fjord, <laughs> that could be lovely. It could be lovely, but your thoroughbred mare owner may not be happy. That's right. <laughs> so, there are there any other? Uh, traps or pitfalls that people should think about when they're leasing a horse or thinking about leasing a horse? Well, I think if you're thinking about, if you own the horse and you're thinking about letting it be leased out, I kind of go back to sometimes you really need to be careful because you know how people treat rental cars and they're just like, oh, it's not mine, so it doesn't matter. And your rental car or rental horse comes back in a lot worse shape, maybe with some bad habits. <laughs> uh, yeah, or 200 pounds lighter. Um, one thing, you know, I get a lot of questions about, um, well, when people are trying to either rehome a horse um, or lease a horse, they often think about all these 4-H members out there. And so they'll often try like calling my office. Oh, do you have any 4-Hers who need... Now, to be clear, Extension is not in the business of matching buyers and sellers or leases and lessors. Um, so uh, I'm often advising people like, how do I lease my horse? And you would advertise your horse for lease in much the same way you would advertise a horse for sale. Um, some of the common uh, websites where sale horses are posted, you can post a lease, you can, you can do Craigslist um, for a free service and hanging flyers. Um, we talked about, you know, passing on those senior 4 H horses. Hey, State Fair, there's always a bunch of flyers of horses that are, uh, whose members are graduating and are looking for a home either for sale or for lease. Well, if you have a trusted professional that you work with, you know, whether it's an instructor or trainer or whatever, it certainly is a lot nicer to get a word of mouth so that you know if they say, okay, this person will treat your horse right. That's a little bit better than... Well, you know, a, a random call on Craigslist, in my yeah, view. I agree. I agree. And, you know, and uh, anyone out there hoping to, to lease a horse, finding a riding instructor is often a good way, too. They just sort of know what horses might be out there and available. Just, I don't know, the way our horse network works, a lot of word of mouth. It's a small world. Well, perfect. Well, thank you guys for sharing your experiences of leasing good and bad and what to look out for and appreciate you guys stopping by with our Horse Stories with a Purpose. Thanks. It was great being here. Long time. Thanks, everybody.